Scripture in Romans 12, verse 15 says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We've understood that verse and that call in a whole different context over this last month or so, haven't we? As our shepherd Wade Weathers shared earlier, it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time for our church family. It's a difficult time for our members uh, that are scattered throughout this area today, worshiping the Lord together apart. And it's a difficult time for our leaders. And so we covet your prayers. We ask for your prayers. Uh, we ask that you would remember our shepherds, our elders, and their wives as they make difficult decisions and feel the burden of this church in a very strong way during these days and nights. We ask that you would bless our other leaders, our, our ministers and staff, our, our finance committee, our missions committee, other leaders and their families, our families, who are especially uh, burdened during this time and yet are answering the call as we work together. Uh, to make sense of all of this and to find God's way through it. We know that he'll get us through it, just as Wade shared. Uh, we just want to find his way as we go. And so we seek your prayers and your blessings. For many of you, you're not a part of the West Irwin Church of Christ family. And, and so we want you to know that we're praying for you today as well. Because we know that your church leaders are going through the same thing that our leaders are here. And so we ask the Lord our God... Uh, to bless you and your church family and your leaders uh, as well today. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Our Donnie Carnathan shared at the very beginning about some of our own families that are especially going through hard times right now. And we weep with those who weep. And yet at the same time, even in the midst of all of this, we also find the opportunity to share together, to connect together as best we can, to rejoice with those who rejoice. It gives us the opportunity to pray, gives us the opportunity to answer the call of our shepherds for this 40 days of prayer. And every day at 714, either a.m. or p.m., based on that great passage from Second Chronicles 7, verse 14, where God promises to hear the prayers of his faithful people and heal their land, we ask you to pray. We ask you to pray for those who are helping, those who are hurting, those who are scared, um, those who are anxious and worried, those who are leading. And I know that you'll do that. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. One of the things, the social distancing, although I think physical distancing is the better term, as I shared in a devotional post earlier this past week. One of the things that the social distancing of the coronavirus and COVID-19 has brought about is a new appreciation for good old-fashioned fellowship. Just as Danny shared earlier, we miss that. We miss it. I'm thankful that we have the opportunity through our online services to worship our God and share in the Lord's Supper together. I hope and pray that you have found a way to do that, and that you have found a way also to continue to give to God's great work through this wonderful church, through our online giving on our website, westerwin.com, on our app if you're one of our members, by mailing in your, com 
your contribution by bringing it by the church office or by giving it to one of our elders or ministers, giving us a call, and we'll be glad to help you experience what the Bible calls the joy of giving. We can do that even today. We're finding that even in these challenging times, we have a great need for our relationship with fellow disciples, for the joy and assurance that fellowship brings. Perhaps that need is greater today than ever before. You know, the term fellowship comes from the term koinonia. In 1 John 1 verse 7, it says that even when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins. That term fellowship is also translated participation or partnership. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul speaks to this church that he loves so dearly, the church at Philippi, that, that Roman colony. And he says, you, we have a partnership in ministry. Through your giving and through your prayers, you are a part of my work. And then there's also the term fellowship or koinonia that is used to describe the participation and the fellowship that we have when we share around the table in the Lord's Supper, and it's translated communion. That's where we get that word. It's the word koinonia. Same word as fellowship. And so as we gathered around the table today, as Danny led us, and we thought about that Aggie muster and the relationships that we have with each other, it's that term, that term fellowship, that term partnership and participation, that term communion. It's used in that way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. The root word is translated common or sharing. And so we're talking about the sharing that we have together because of the things that we have in common. As we close our study of the book of Acts, which has challenged us to have first century conviction in a 2020 church, we end with Paul finally arriving and preaching under house arrest in Rome. As best we can tell, he is not killed there. Later on, according to tradition and history, he will be uh, exonerated from Caesar and he will be uh, released after a couple of years and will perhaps be able to travel some more, more mission work. All the way to Spain was his dream and then rearrested and brought back to Rome where he is beheaded because of his faith. But it seems not this time. As Luke ends the book of Acts in Acts chapter 28, it will be with Paul under house arrest, which he will one day be released from. But the last legs of his journey to get there demonstrate how much it means to each of us to be there for each other, to rejoice and to weep together, to be there for God in whatever role in his world he calls us to take. You may want to find that handy-dandy map in the back of your Bible if you have one like this or if you have one on your tablet or your cell phone or your laptop, something that talks about Paul's journey to Rome or Paul's fourth mission journey, some call it. And we discussed before that, that horrendous voyage across the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and, and we saw how he had gone from arrest and trial in the Middle East to being shipwrecked on that island of Malta for three months, riding out the winter. And that's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 28, verses 11 through 16. 
After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived in Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Puteoli. There we found some brothers and sisters, verse 14, who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. As we look at these verses and we think of everything that Paul had been through and now this last leg, and so we came to Rome, Luke writes in dramatic fashion. But before he gets there, he's still a man who is a prisoner, not knowing what fate awaits him there and having gone through the worst of conditions just to be this far. And so we think about what he's going through now on this last leg of his journey as they depart from uh, that island of Malta, having been there shipwrecked for three months, they find another ship, an Alexandrian ship, a Greek ship, with the Greek gods Castor and Pollux, figureheads of the new ship that will take them to Italy. And how Paul must have felt about that, knowing that those were just designs, ideas of mankind, things that someone made out of things that the Creator made. And it's similar to what Paul had experienced in Acts 17 when he was in Athens and he saw all of those altars to all of those false gods and he stopped at the one to an unknown God and he told all of those Greeks and Romans there, that's the God I want to talk to you about today. And he did. Then they go to Syracuse where no one is there at the university because of the coronavirus and everything. Okay, Syracuse, not New York, not Syracuse, New York. We're talking about Syracuse on this island of Sicily just off the coast of Italy. And he stays there for three days. History tells us that there was an active synagogue there, and it may very well be that Paul had the opportunity to preach to his Jewish brothers and sisters while he was there. Next, they go to Regium, which is at the southern tip of Italy, still 320 miles from Rome. And then then they get that nice southerly wind to take them along the coast up to the city of Puteoli, still 170 miles from Rome. But there they spend a week, and they spend a week, it says, with fellow Christians. And from Pudioli, they kiss the sea goodbye, which I'm sure Paul was more than happy to do. And now they take that famous Appian Way up through Italy all the way to Rome. In the town of Appius, 43 miles from Rome, there are Christians from the city of Rome who heard that Paul was coming. So they make the trip and they meet him there on the road while he is in Appius, and also at another town called Three Taverns, not really taverns, but inns or shops. And there, they're still 33 miles from Rome. And so these brothers and sisters were from Rome. They had heard that Paul was coming, 
And they couldn't just get on a bus or ride their bike or anything like that. They, they walked. They traveled. A two-day trip just to meet Paul so they could turn around and go back. That's how important that fellowship is. And so we came to Rome. Luke says, where Paul was under house arrest for two years. He meets with the Jewish leaders when he gets there. And he preaches to all who would come to hear him. And here's how the book of Acts ends in Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in Rome, in his own rented house, and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. What a blessing. And yet still in prison. Under house arrest for two years, but it is perhaps during this time that the Apostle Paul writes the letters we call the prison epistles, Colossians and Philemon, Ephesians and Philippians. Philippians, that great book of joy written from Paul under house arrest. However this turns out for Paul, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, he will share his faith with whoever will listen and do the work of God, whatever his circumstances. But it is impossible to overvalue the emotional and spiritual encouragement he received when he spent time with fellow disciples during that week. And when he saw those brothers and sisters in Christ who had made the two-day journey to meet him specifically and for the only purpose of turning around and making the same journey with him back to Rome. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, is a familiar passage that talks about encouragement. And it talks about it in, in light of the worship assembly, what we're doing right now. One of the few passages where that is the context, but it is that in these verses in Hebrews 10. And in that passage, the writer of the book of Hebrews says that we should be encouraging each other every day, he will say in Hebrews 3. But in Hebrews 10, he says, don't neglect meeting together, as some already have, but encouraging one another, meeting together, worshiping together, praying together, participating in the Lord's Supper together. All of those things are the context in Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as some are, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We have come over these last few weeks to especially appreciate what it means to be together. And though we're apart physically, we're meeting together today. We've missed meeting, however, with our whole church family face-to-face, encouraging one another with our smiles, handshakes, and hugs. I did a memorial service this past week for our brother Leonard Speaker who passed away, and it's the first time in my life that I can ever remember going to a funeral service and to a graveside and not hugging a single person, not shaking a single hand. Strange. Strange, But it was what was called for. And yet at the same time, we felt that bond. We had that connection. And we have that same connection today, though we can't see each other. We know that we're there. We have done the best we can under the circumstances in which we find ourselves. 
and may find ourselves for a while still. But when we're out of this time of sheltering in place and social distancing, let's renew the commitment to be there for each other. But not just there for each other. Here for each other, in the assembly, worshiping together as a church family with our fellow disciples. Let's have a greater appreciation and concern for our church family and others who are shut in at their homes or in their medical facilities. We get it now, don't we? We do. Let's not forget. And let's not forget them. Let's especially value the time that we spend together, not neglecting meeting together, but rather giving those times we get to join our church family in worshiping together the priority it deserves, the priority that God calls it to have in our lives. Imagine how the Apostle Paul felt when he saw those brothers and sisters on his way to Rome after all he had been through, arrests, trials, a dangerous voyage at sea through a severe storm for two weeks, shipwrecked, pagan gods as the figurehead of his ship, not knowing what awaits him in Rome, if he'll live or if he'll die. Then the apostle is encouraged as he spends a week with some fellow disciples. And finally, while still over 40 miles away, brothers and sisters in Christ from Rome come to meet him and go with him the rest of the way to the capital of the empire. We will have joys and sorrows. We will experience challenges and victories in this life. We will have the opportunities to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. As disciples of Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, we rejoice with those during the happy times and we weep with those during the struggles. Their joy is our joy. Their pain is our pain and ours is theirs. Fellowshipping with one another means whatever we face, we go through it together. It means though we may be physically distant, we are emotionally and spiritually connecting in every way possible. It means being there for each other and being there for God. As fellow disciples, we know that he will see us through this. He will. We know that. But we also know that in the meantime, he has called us to be his people witnesses of his love, his salvation, his care and presence in our lives.